Christ, everyone's faith. And it sounds like it's um, maybe cheap, not cheap, maybe like a good deal, you know, like it's very inexpensive, you know, but you know, it's, uh, it's actually not, it's, uh, it's not like money, you know, it's one's faith, as you mentioned, we are our faith, and it seems like it's, uh, it's, um, it's not a cheap thing, you know, it makes it sound cheap, like, or easy, or easy, it makes it sound easy, but it's not, so, mm -hmm. I was just wondering why, Mm -hmm. Yes, well, you're right that uh, our faith is uh, everything in a sense. I, I often um, point that out by way of citing Krishna's statement in, in Bhagavad Gita, where he says, Shadamayo Ayam Purushaha. It's a chapter about faith. Uh, Arjuna asks the question about the nature of faith um i think that is how does he begin that to anyway he asks about the nature of people's faith i think that uh he speaks about or asks about faith independent let's say the scripture and um so people will pursue that you know what becomes of them and krishna speaks about uh, faith uh, born out of the mode of ignorance, faith born out of the mode of passion, faith born out of the mode of goodness, the latter of which is tied to, to scripture. And um, <clears throat> anyway, in the context of speaking about that subject, he makes the statement that a person is his or her uh, faith. That's uh, one way of speaking about it, and well, it means you get to give your whole self, right? From by that, so that's not uh, inexpensive. <clears throat> I should mention that in the Bhagavatam, there's a, of course, a, a parallel kind of of the Bhagavad Gita, which we refer to as the Uddhava Gita, where Krishna speaks same truths, same answers to Uddhava. Those questions are a little different because he's speaking from the Brahminical perspective, whereas Arjuna's questions are arising from the Chatriya's perspective, and the context is the, is the battle at hand, battle of Kurukshetra and so forth. In the Bhagavatam, Krishna uh, gives a fourth type of faith, faith for in this in in the faith in devas and the scriptures and so forth. There he refers to faith in the Atma as the which we correspond with the Satvaguna because Satvaguna gives knowledge, the full measure of knowledge in this world is knowledge of the self. Then he goes on to say faith in me, then that's transcendental near Guna. Just an interesting point about faith and things that Krishna has said about it. Of course, at the end of that chapter in the Gita, it says, Vashastam Vidhu Chija Bhartadeva Kanta. 
So those who are conducting themselves in the world according to their faith that is not in concert with revelation, then it's not going to be fruitful in terms of attaining, attaining perfection. Nasidim, nasukam, naparamgatim. You want to attain a supreme, the nice destination. You want to get ultimate happiness and perfection. So that's one advocacy there in the Gita of uh, at least sattvic faith and uh, letting the guiding light be uh, revelation by which we can know more than we could know on our own. So anyway, that's the context in which Krishna makes a strong statement that a person is his or her faith. Um, and um, yeah, another thought uh, comes to mind. I'm just underscoring the point that you're making to begin with. Vujipachita Marsh once described faith as the halo of Radharani. Mm -hmm. How do you get that? I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how we went there exactly about that. But, uh, but he's speaking about divine faith and it coming from above. Shadavan Janohe, Shadavan. Associating with persons of that faith of that character, then obviously it's contagious. So we get that, and it's. I think what Marsh meant by that, among other things, is that it's it itself. The faith is um, illuminating. Um, he used to contrast faith, of course, as it should be, with doubt, and um, to make the point that we are animated by our faith. He poetically used to say that uh, suspicion leads to suspension. So if we have doubts, then our animation will be suspended in terms of going down a particular path. I'm not sure if it's down there. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna hold off. Um, and in that regard, he would often refer to um, the spiritual world as planets of faith where there was no doubt and correspondingly where everything is animated, right? There, there are um, what appears to be earth, water, fire, air, ether, and so forth, but they're not behaving in the limited way that they do here these elements, elemental constituents of the Maya Shakti, there, um, everything is alive and um, conscious, right? So uh, if there is a realm of doubt, doubt is absence of faith. So there must be a realm of faith. And that would not be a blind faith, but the kind of faith that gives vision and to that which we could not have otherwise. So it's it's the vehicle. Pujipachita hmm? Marsh once said that I, and this was in the later years um, uh, of his uh, presence amongst us, when he was quite uh, ill and uh, uh, Nearing the time of his passing, he said he went to sleep one night 
and he dreamt that all of his scriptural knowledge was taken away. And he had a fair amount of that. Pujapad Bhakti Thakur once referred to him as Shastra Nipuna. That's a, a nice term, scriptural genius. It's a, it's a word uh, that the Rupa Goswami uses to, to, to uh, characterize among other characteristics. One of the characteristics of the who, one whose adhikar or eligibility for bhakti is uttam of, of that, uh, that, that standard, uttam adhikar. But it's a, a generous or, you know, a, a, a quality to take note of. But I, he was thinking of himself, I, in, a, in a course, regarding the dream, in terms of all of the shastric knowledge that he had and was taken away. And he said, I was left with only my faith to travel with. Mm-hmm. Gary me. Of course, it was, it was substantial, so I would say he was in good, good shape. Um, he had told me several times that it, whenever they, somebody comes uh, and they, they have a lot of uh, a good big intellect, I have to beat on them. Gyan Shunya Bhakti, Gyan Shunya Bhakti. That intelligence is not a suitable vehicle for going there. If we, if we think that it is and that we can capture that realm between our ears, if you will, if we're not careful with that, which is a, which is can be a a a, a, a problem for the Madhya Madhikari that um, to, who who has got a good intelligence and they try to capture all the text, all the books, everything. That, and um, if they're not well guided by that and well grounded in their practice, then they're going to come into touch with the fact that the philosophy that they thought perfectly enunciated and captured the absolute truth doesn't do so. And there are holes in it and there are problems with it. And as we should know in advance that that realm is one from which, uh, as the Upanishads say clearly, speech having gone returns, and tries to go, returns. Mind tries to go and returns. It can't go there. If you try to go there with your intellect, it will create doubts rather than faith. You have to use, this. why I say often, you have to use your head to soften your heart and actually practice, which is, which is not a head exercise, it's a heart exercise. It's, it's hard enough to exercise your head when you speak of exercise your heart. Right? That's, that's what brings tears. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you try to enter there with intellect alone, it, the result will be doubts that come. And if then your practice is not well uh, grounded, then the intellect, uh, then you, then you see this happen sometimes and they find doubts in philosophy and then they sometimes say they, uh, such persons go away, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, at least for some time. So intellect, uh, what speak of mind or senses of themselves are not suitable vehicles for going there. As I've said it before, and it's obvious, these are products of our own conditioning. So. <laughs> They're, they come from the counterfeit world here. So they don't have any purchasing power. 
in the realm in, in, in reality, in a land beyond death. You can't buy any real estate there with that currency, it's false. Still, uh, it can be harnessed and utilized to one's advantage to help to foster one's faith. And that's when, as I sometimes say, um, sadhana becomes, you understand, there's some skill to that. So anyway, faith is the vehicle. Pujapad Sridharmarsh, again, often described uh, the uh, part of the Om as planets of faith. Again, if this is a planet of doubt, and there's no doubt about that. <laughs> another sense, in another sense, I should say, intellect is the doubting function in us. We question, we doubt. Mind is, is, is the seat of emotions. I like this, I don't like that. This feels good, that doesn't feel good, the mind. Make, comes up with those determinations. The mind may say this feels good, but with our intelligence, we can say, but it might not be good for you. Hmm. Unfortunately, the mind and the senses can corrupt the intellect and cause it to be an assistant of themselves hmm. rather than something that judges over them and makes good determinations about what you should think and what you should touch and what you shouldn't taste and so on and so forth. So this is a very problematic. Now the intellect becomes a servant to the mind and senses and their demands. And then we're using the power of human intellect that surpasses the intellectual capacity of all other species of life to do what other species of life do with their senses. That's a very dangerous um, animal, if you will. So intelligence is supposed to have a, a different function that, helps us to determine. And this, of course, with the help of revelation, which starts, starts to spiritualize the intelligence, whether something feels good or looks good or seems good, or we like it in our mind, it's pleasing to our mind, whether it's good for us or not, right? And that Then we start to separate ourselves from the call of the senses, from the determinations of the mind, which are faulty, whether something is good or bad, happy or sad, hot or cold, for you, it might be good. For me, it might be bad. For you, it might be happy. For me, it might be sad. For you, it might be cold. For me, it might be hot. So obviously, it's neither of those. It's something else, whatever that is. Let's be, it's beyond the, the reading instruments that we're possessed of and at, at the faculties uh, at the moment uh, by which we're trying to understand everything. Well, we, we're not going to be successful in that. That we should figure out with our intelligence and then what to do about. So we need help beyond these faculties. So again, such is revelation. Uh, so, so my point here is that the intellect is a, is a, is a doubting function, right? A questioning function, question authority. Um, don't question your own bliss, though. That's, I've seen that. That's a problem. He had, he had bliss from Bhakti. Then he became confused and went away. And then he argues against Bhakti. And I say, you're arguing against your own bliss. Mm. That's not a very good idea. It may be bliss, but how do I know it's bliss? Mm. I may be experiencing Krishna, but how do I know it's not a hallucination? 
you're really <laughs> thinking a little bit too much there. Of course, uh, at the time, at the moment, when we have some ecstasy, it's, it's, it's confirming. But if we separate ourselves from that, a bad association over time, the lack of practice, we may, you know, the, the curtains and the clouds of material existence and material nature may, may take precedence and may lose sight of that and so forth. But um, the point I'm making um, is that <clears throat> intelligence is a doubting function. In that sense, it's, the, it's we have sensed objects, as the Gita says, what is the verse, the end of the third chapter? Hmm. There are senses. Sense objects, senses, it's giving a hierarchy. Mind, intelligence, and the self. And the self is, is of another category. It's not material. But within the material, there's the hierarchy. There's sense objects, and there's the senses to which we perceive them. And there's the mind, which is the sixth sense, right? That without which the other senses don't really work. Hmm? To the extent that my mind is not connected with the sense, it is connected with the object, um, I don't experience it, hmm? right? All experience is taking place in the mind. So yoga is a perfect solution for ending all the suffering. It's all in the mind. It's about mastering the mind. But at any rate, above the mind is the intellect. We have Brahma as the as the as the four-headed you know personification of in, his planet is the planet of intellect, Brahmalok. So this is the upper end of material existence. With the help of intellect, we can distinguish between matter and spirit. Hmm? Sattvic perspective. So, this is a realm of doubt, and correspondingly, there must be a realm of faith. In a realm, in a realm of doubt, we move cautiously. We're going to move with some suspicion, some reservation, because faith is lacking. I mean, just practically speaking, you come to, um, you know, some place that you're not familiar with uh, and you're going to make sure that what you eat is not got something in it that uh, is contrary to your dietary uh, um, regime considerations uh, and so forth right you read the label and so on but when you're coming to the temple they don't ask him where did that come from uh, or a child doesn't question the mother. She just has faith. The mother is going to provide something that's, that's, that's uh, nourishing. So in home, in homeland, is the home is in heart, so to speak. And, and there we move freely without any doubt, without any reservation. This is Brindavan. There's no doubting there. Everyone just happily moving. No, no questions. And this is beyond what to speak of beyond doubting intellects, beyond the Upanishads. So, um, so some thoughts about faith, things that I've said before, uh, you may be familiar with. 
And so your question is, well, only faith, he's giving the holy name for just one's faith. Seems like it's not an inexpensive, but it's, it's quite expensive. But um, what's uh, meant there, of course, is that um, um, bhakti and the anandakanda of Gora Nityananda, rather than the Gyankanda or Karmakanda paths ordained in the scriptures, or uh, let's say um, along with Gyan Yoga, which are, both of which are means for uh, transcending material existence. There are practices that are arrived at after having um, um, uh, risen above sufficiently the uh, influence of karma and the karma path, the path of well, the, the path of karma, the Varnashram Dharma. This is a path of acquisition. This is a pravritti mark. Yoga and Gyan are nivriti marks. In the pravritti mark, we think more is more. In the nivriti marks, we think less is more. So this is either very opposite. So the nivriti mark follows exhaustion on the part of the practitioner of the karma mark. Exhaustion meaning that that he that he or she has come to the conclusion is this ain't happening here. It's not happening. Um, more acquisition is not uh, is, 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 is not giving me the kind of knowledge that informs action that will bear the kind of happiness that we all seek without any limitation. So from Purvati Mark to Nibhati Mark, we've got Gyan and Yoga schools there. So there's point being that what you need faith to pursue Varnashram. Why would you pursue the Varnashram path and uh, in, in effect, by doing so, acquire a license for acquisition and undergo the uh, uh, and have to you know, pay for what you get beyond what you might have to do materially to acquire it. In other words, you have to make an endeavor, obviously, to acquire, but according to the common mark, you also have to take into consideration what the scripture says and do it this way. And in doing it in that way, you, you minimize the negative repercussions of taking which amount to owing, right? To some extent, you can get good karma rather than bad karma. You can acquire more from the karma marg than you could just by acquiring. Just by acquiring things in here, in this world, through whatever means, legal or illegal, well, you're not going to attain, for example, a celestial birth where there's abundance beyond, you know, your imagination. So... 
so you have faith what the scripture says. Therefore, you you know you you license your taking by taking according to the scriptures. And so this is the whole you know this karma is a whole like tries to cover the whole range of your human life and all the things that are basic to humans you know birth uh, and um, and you know becoming an adult marrying. Uh, bearing children yourself, passing from the world, all of these stages that one has to go through, all these, all this is uh, talked about in scripture, how to do that, how to proceed with regard to these things. And so it's very nice. Um, it's, it, but it's, it, there's a lot there. Um, and you, so you had to have faith anyway to do that, right? And, um, and, and, and if you come to the end of that path from Dharma Jignasu, inquiring into Dharma, then you inquire into um, Brahman, Brahma Jignasu. So uh, in order to inquire into Brahman and pursue the path of Gyan, you have to have faith in the path of Gyan. Like I've said before, the real fruit of adhering to the scriptures with regard to the poverty marg, the path of acquisition, is the faith in the scriptures and revelation that you acquire. So if I say, you know, if you do this, make this potion, do this fire, then you're gonna get a good son. So you do it and you get a good son. Well, the fruit is the son, but really, if you look more carefully, the fruit is the faith in the scripture. So it keeps looking deeper into there and deeper. And then he comes to the conclusion, or she comes to the conclusion, you know, this, this is one portion of the scripture that talks about acquisition, but if I look at it carefully, I understand, well, I'm not really, I'm going up the down escalator here, you know, it's not, <laughs> I'm not really getting anywhere by this. And so, Brahma Jignasu. So there's a qualification for Brahma Jignasu, which is having passed through the Dharma Jignasu. But just like you have to have faith to participate in the Dharma Mark, you have to have faith in what the scripture says about the invisible. You have to have faith that more that less is more. Ooh. And now you know you were you were acquiring things, it was very tangible. Now you're going to acquire the self, which means giving up the all the tangibles as they appear to be and learning that they're not tangible. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. You can't keep anything. You got no ground to stand on. You are the ground. You are a unit of Brahman. You are the ground. You have to stand on that, but where am I? So there's some faith is required, right? You see others practicing and and they're articulating the faith from the scripture. So you need faith in that, but you also need to pass through the Dharma, Karma Mara. This is typically the idea. And, and as a result, the heart has become uh, cleansed to a certain degree. Just like Krishna says in the Gita, if you want to sit in, in meditation, in jnana or yoga, mm. contemplative life, well, he says, I recommend that you don't just jump into that 
from the karma mark would do nishkam karma because you're moving in a certain way for eons for acquisition. So in nishkam karma, you can continue to move, but you give up the fruits. You practice giving up the fruits. So you're, you're going with the momentum that you have, but slowing down the trajectory and gradually turning the course. Um, so what you're pursuing now is to dutifully perform the karmic duties in that system and forego the fruits because people typically perform the karmic duties to get the fruits, to get the highs and, and avoid the lows. So that's how they're moving. So obviously it's not gonna be a very peaceful path. I'm trying to avoid the highs and I'm trying to, uh, excuse me, acquire the highs and avoid the lows. But as high as it goes, is as low as it goes. But don't forlorn, as low as it goes, it's as high as it goes, but you just keep going up and down, right? Mm -hmm. So yoga, or gyan, these are transcendental paths, if you will, or this is their aim, at least. Uh, they're all about equanimity, not going up and down, but flatten the whole you know, thing. Shh. Peaceful, shanti, shanti, shanti. Where's it come? Well, you're not chasing the highs or the lows now. You're doing the duties of the karma mark because they should be done, ordained as they are in scripture, and the fruits are, you're not chasing them. So whether it's up or down, it really doesn't, that's not a much concern to you. Your concern is, I'm going to perform the karma appropriately. And ultimately, if, if I give the fruits to Krishna, well, that, that's some kind, some type of, of bhakti there as well. That's another thing. But um, the point being that for karma, you need some faith and, and, and you need to be a human being <laughs> and, and uh, <coughs> qualifications. And for gyan or yoga, you need qualification. Let's take a look further at yoga. I mentioned this the other night. In the sixth chapter of the Gita where Krishna is talking about Astanga Yoga, um, he mentions uh, brahmacharya. And this is one of the yamanyamas of, of the uh, uh, of astanga yoga. Am I right? Now, you got to have faith in yoga before you start twisting yourself up like a pretzel. And, and, and so, I mean, in, in, in the classical sense, it has a goal, right? It's a very sophisticated method of controlling the whole of the physical and psychological sense of self, controlling the mind, you can control the heartbeat, the organs, and so on and so forth. You become like the Paramatma almost, which is ultimately uh, ideally the, the, the object of, of one's um, practice, uh, Vishwara Pranidhan, right? So anyway, it's a very complicated uh, uh, and sophisticated methodology but it requires a certain level of, of attainment besides the faith in it. You have to have faith that it's gonna work, hmm? otherwise how can you proceed? But it requires more than that as well. Hmm? And I'm giving a good example. Well, Brahmacharya, that won't be popular in the modern cultural appropriation <laughs> of yoga. <laughs> um, uh, but 
from the classical texts that uh, uh, we, we, we learn about yoga, we find that this is a qualification. So, you know, how many people are going to be, brahmacharya means celibate. I mean, they have a fancy way now, in the modern um, yoga community of dealing with that. I don't know how exactly they, they, they got to, but it's not what's meant um, classically there. Therefore I say, in yoga, you can't have any friends. In gyan, you can't have any friends. You progress in these schools by, by detachment. In bhakti, by contrast, we, we progress by attachment, by sadhu sangha, by, by like-minded uh, uh, devotees. You can like devotees. You can be attached to devotees. In fact, uh, Narottam Das has a nice poem where he says he's crashing his head against the stone because he doesn't have the association of uh, Sanatan, Raghunathas, Krishnadas, Kaviraj, where have they gone, and so forth. But he's as high of a devotee as you can get, and he's feeling like this. And so, of course, as much as one is a devotee, your son or daughter or friend, or God brother, God sister, and so forth, your attachment to them has a different result than attachment to ordinary people, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, then I have to think how much someone is a devotee and then how much you'd be attached to them <laughs> and how much you might want to be detached from them. <laughs> um, but uh, but, but we, had, we progress by sangha, not by bairagya, unless it's viragya, a special kind of rag, which is attachment. <laughs> so, <laughs> good. So, um, uh, so uh, the point is that for, for these other paths, be it the karma marg, gyan marg, yoga marg, you need faith, but you need something more and quite a bit more uh, to practice them, especially with regard to yoga or gyan. Krishna says you, you can't just sit down and do, do gyan. You have to, the heart has to be pure. Hmm? Otherwise, how can you sit? Because you're going to be dictated to by your by the desires that are in their heart, and your mind's going to be agitated. And, and it says, Mityatarachu, so you say, don't uh, sit down prematurely like this. Then you're just a, 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 a hypocrite. He's sitting down. Nobody's looking, I can open my eyes. You see these pictures sometimes on the internet. Somebody's a yoga teacher, and there they are on the mountain now, by the river. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a path for leaving the world. Gyan, <clears throat> yoga, everybody, what did Chris say? You go in the forest, don't sit too high, too low. You're alone out there. And you're alone, but you're competent enough to deal with the mind because the, you, through Nishkam Karma, classically as Krishna explains it, well, you've reduced, diminished, you change the trajectory, as I'm saying, as I was saying. You slowed it down. You change now. That, that means the desires are coming out of the heart because you're not chasing after them hmm, anymore. You're practicing not chasing after them, and after the fruits. Hmm. So you got this. You've come to some balance, sattva, and you can sit, right? But with bhakti, the point is the only faith. Mm -hmm. You don't need all these other things because of the power of bhakti mm -hmm. and the generosity of bhakti. 
So bhakti is post-liberated in its nature. That means it's it's near guna. Rather than yoga and jnana, these are sattva guna. So in and of themselves, they don't have the power to deliver you to transcendence unless some bhakti is factored in. They can give you a passport, but they can't give you a visa to Vaikuntha. That has to come from the other side, from the near going. So some bhakti has to be factored in. So the intelligent person will think, well, why not just do only bhakti then, which is easier anyway. And it's more generous in that, uh, and this is the emphasis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's school. And like Ramanuja's school will, will emphasize the post-liberated nature of yoga, uh, excuse me, of, of bhakti. But we are on both ends of the spectrum. Not only is bhakti the ideal in, in, in and of itself and, trans, and, 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 uh, and transcendental in character, is very generous, extends her, she extends herself to those who have no qualification, even for Varnashra, like us, right? Just very, very, very generous. Mm-hmm. Through Sadhu Sangha of these Mahatmas, Vaishnava Mahatmas, we can develop faith in Bhakti. Now, when we develop faith in Bhakti and we start to practice, we should look for the kind of results that you'd get from Nishkam Karma. Mm-hmm that you'd get from Gyan, that you'd get from Dhyan, and that you'd get from Bhakti, ultimately herself, the others I mentioned being byproducts of Bhakti. So if you want the frame, look and see if you're getting the result of the byproduct. <laughs> if you're not even getting the byproduct, well, you're probably not going to be getting the actual product very soon. You follow me? Yeah. So I mean, we should have that in mind, but um, it's a very, this is a very high idea. We should hear about it. Like I said, you need, you, 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 it's like a candle in the heart. Well, you need a candle before you, it gets lit. So some, some tattva, rasa tattva is important. With good association of practice, that the candle will be lit. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, then, then you can teach. Then you are a good association. Still, you'll want good association. But um, yes, yeah, so bhakti is very generous. But we should again be. be uh, what's mentioned in the Gita, Gita is not telling us. First, you should do varnashram. Then you become qualified for dhyan. Then you become qualified for dhyan. Then you become qualified for, for bhakti. Now, Ramanuja will teach like that. And there's a way of looking at it like that. But the bhakti dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the least is, is not telling us that. It's saying that by sadhu sangha, you can be qualified for bhakti because you can get faith in bhakti's efficacy. And, and the generosity of bhakti, you should think. Bhakti is very generous, not seeking any other qualification from me, just the faith that I got from somebody else, freely. How fortunate I am. Now, how will I spend my faith for more bhakti? Let me spend it. And what should I look for? The results that would come from other paths should be within 
bhakti. That's why we go to Goloka. What do you find there? Well, Varnashram is there, right? They're following the Varnashram. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's just a structure, right? Mm -hmm. To the social life of the Leela. The whole thing is being driven by Bhava, but it has to take a shape. So it takes the shape. Krishna's Abhira, you know, from the, this caste, they're cow herds. You've got the Brahmin Madhu Mongol. You know, the, 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 he's like the farcical Brahmin, right? <laughs> Which is a, a way that the Goswamis have couched into their Leela Gruntas the idea they're taking a poke at Varnashram and the, and the Brahmins, even when they, we regard the Brahmins. <laughs> <laughs> Be a real Brahman, that's another thing, but that's not typically what you find in Kali Yuga, which is characterized by the corruption of the Brahminical class in terms of Varnashram. Another reason why, let's just go to Bhakti, especially it's been offered to you. Step on the head of the Varnashram, take up Bhakti. But anyway, point being what? The social structure of the Varnashram is there. Vaidhi Bhakti is there. They're worshiping the Srimadev, but of course their mind is not Krishna. So they're like us, they're distracted. Varnashram, <laughs> Bhaiti Bhakti. Oh, the description, the, the geography, the, the geometrical, you know, description of Golok, the um, yeah, sonic, geometric, poetic description of the hexagonal hmm, lotus inside the square of Saita Dweep and so all the four Vedas are there on the corners and uh, all the cities are there yoga cities are there and, and, and then they're not letting any just anybody in so, so anyway the point is all of this is there the implication of which is and this comes out really beautifully at the end of Krishna's dissertation on yoga that begins in the second chapter of the Gita, the middle of the second chapter, after explaining the nature of the Atma and the difference between it and, and, and the body, how to realize it is the second half, right? And it ends what? Yoginam apisarvesham matkutenam taratma shadavan bhajateyomam sami yuktatamumata I wrote, a, I wrote a nice commentary on this verse. You want to go home and read that last verse of the sixth chapter. And you realize what is Arjuna's you know, uh, Adhikar. Mm -hmm. Now to fully take up this uh, Bhakti Yoga. Yeah. And, and, and the implication being that if we practice Bhakti, all of you, all of these things will, that have been described mm -hmm. in the the yoga ladder, if you will, as it's sometimes um, referred to, the results, desirable results, will all be there within it. What it means to be a devotee, besides having prem, we have all the other things that are the byproducts of this. People will worship you. People will think you're you're good, 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 good company, saintly. Hmm. When to speak of praying, that's when they think you, well, you went off the deep end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you lost it all there. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so um, 
So that's uh, the idea there. Only your faith. You don't need any other qualification. Even, even the animals are being given opportunity for bhakti. Right? We find some animals like Gajendra and so forth, liberated. So they can't do any other kind of yoga, but they can participate in bhakti. Such so their generosity. So she's on both ends of the spectrum. All low as you can go, she she goes, and as high as you can go, there she is, as the as the, the, the driving influence of the, the entire movement of the spiritual world, all moving under the bhakti shakti. Does that help? Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so in a lot of the things are like a lot of the, we may sometimes say you know, bhakti is a very easy path. You must easy. You have to understand it's it's a big, easy comparatively to other paths who purport to be whose aim is transcendence, enlightenment. Mm-hmm. There aren't a whole lot of them, mm-hmm. um, but comparatively, it's easy. But it is a path in pursuit of something that's not uh, cheap. So you do have to give everything. You can't you can't say, well, just give a little bit and you'll get it. No. Well, if you want all of Krishna, that is Braj, all of Krishna. He's controlled by the Gopas and Gopis. That's what Krishna is. God controlled by Bhakti. This is Krishna Kashani, one of the characteristics of Bhakti. It, is, it, it, it attracts he who is all attractive. What? <laughs> so <laughs> what, is the, what is Bhakti then? Attracts he who is all attractive and captures him, has a capacity to conquer him. So you get him entirely. So you're not going to get him entirely without giving yourself to him. Entirely. How will he give himself to you if you don't give yourself to him? Fair, right? Reasonable. But still, he'll give more of himself to you than you're willing to give of yourself to him. He send you a guru, his, his, his representative, Sadhu Sangha, Nam Namakari, Bahuda, Nijasarva Shakti, Tatrarpita Niyami Tasmananakala. He comes in the form of his name. What's in his name? Nam Namakari. Many names. You like Govinda. No, Gopina. Yes. Krishna. Madan Mohan. Hmm? So many names. Hmm? Shodanandan. You like that name? Well, you're going that way. Hmm? What's all there else? You like Madan Gopal. You become Priyanarmasak. You like Gopinath. Okay. Become a Gopi. So many names, Nam Namakari. And Krishna Chaitanya says, Bahuda Nija Sarva Shaktis. He's talking about primary names of God. That means names of God in connection with his devotees, not creator, hmm? creator name, <laughs> right? Not the all powerful one, hmm? the Almighty. Not names like this in relation to this world, where he's the controller, 
names where he's controlled. Those kind of names. These are primary names. Therefore, Mahaprabhu says, Nam Nama Kari Bahuda, Nija Sarva Shakti. All my, all of your Shakti is in your names. Those kind of names. All of the Shakti is in them. Now, these names are so powerful. He's non different from his name. And these are names of him in relation to his devotees. And he says, Nam Namakari Bahudan Visavashakis Tatrarpita Niyamites Marani Kal. Recalling these names, he says, you can do it anytime, at any place. Bhagavatam says, even while sleeping, while eating. Mahaprabhu had a concern in his madness in Nadia that he was chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And he couldn't stop chanting. And so when he went to answer the call of nature, it's not typical that you'll do worship in the bathroom. Hmm? So he was concerned about this. And uh, I forget his name, Mark Haradwaj, who became then named differently by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a young lad said that, uh, what did he say? There are no, with, uh, with Krishna Nam, there are no restrictions like this. And what name did he give him then? Gopal Guru. Gopal Guru. Gosami, he became. Famous devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu was relieved by, by this. And he taught in this way that to, that for this spiritual practice, there are no rules. Anytime, anywhere, any, any place on it. There are no prerequisite circumstances is another way of answering your question. They have to be in place. As there is, for example, in the karma mark, you have to do it exactly like this. You can't do it like that. You got to do it this time. You got to face that direction and stand on your head and, you know, whatever it is. It's a lot, of, lot, of, lot to it. And if you don't do it right, well, you won't get the result. And you might get the opposite result. A nice example of that, Bhagavatam, a Pritrasura. He mispronounced the mantra by which he wanted to get an enemy of Indra, and he got a, Indra as his enemy, I think, instead. <laughs> That's a nice, nice, uh, very important section, actually, in the Bhagavatam, where Rag Bhakti comes out through the mouth, uh, teaches on that through the mouth of Pritrasura, uh, who was Chitraketu, Chitraketu. Mm. Yes. So, see how generous uh, Bhakti is. Mm. We, have to, we, have to, we have to. Mahaprabhu was saying that he's humbled by this. Still, he says, in spite of this, I have no attraction. Just see my condition. Mm. Of course, this is not something that. If you contemplate this verse and you become neurotic, then you're not doing it right. So you, you don't want to do that. You want to have a healthy understanding of the generosity of the name, not how bad I am, but how generous the name is. I'm unfortunate that I don't have a taste for this. And Mahaprabhu says, because I've other, other things that I think are valuable, Narthas, that's my condition. 
but it's a hopeful condition nonetheless. It's not a neurotic condition like, I'm bad, I'm bad. And now, now you're feeling bad and you're all psychologically out of balance and you, and you can't chant. No, it's, it's, it's Krishna is merciful. His name is, 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 is so generous. I don't have any attraction for it. That's my misfortune. But I'm holding on to that. He's not letting me go. The name and the name are not different. But there's a difference between the name and the name. And if the name is more generous than the named, we might offend the form of Bhagavan, but his name will stay with us. Who is the best example? Haridas Thakur. He offended Krishna, the form of Krishna. He saw him in the Brahma Vimohan Leela and he said, it looks like my guru that I saw at the dawn of creation, but he's, not, he's acting kind of weird. <laughs> he's not following the vidhi. Look at him, the way he's conducting himself with these. Who is he? He's an imposter. I should, I should test his powers and so forth. So he had to take birth as, a, as, a, as an outcast from the Hindu perspective at the time but the name stayed with him right name stayed with him so this is a verse not to make us neurotic about how bad i am but how great the name is yeah and one of the measures is well just see i'm unqualified i don't have any taste that's unfortunate i'm so i'm unfortunate but still the name is with me i don't i don't want to offend the name then the name may be recede but just because i have material condition and desires the name's not going to recede because of that the name is coming after me to deal with that despite my condition and not asking any other qualification of me it's just even in your sleep you can take advantage of me even while eating which typically means you don't eat and do worship at the same time So the generosity of bhakti, and then the highest reach of bhakti. Yoga can't go there. Yogis are trying to remember Krishna. Gopis are trying to forget about Krishna. <laughs> and they can't. <laughs> Making a concentrated, concerted effort to forget about Krishna. And they, they can't get him off their mind. What, what kind of samadhi is that? Right? They're in samadhi and they're doing kirtan. What kind of kirtan is that? You're about to see the Gopi Gita. They're doing kirtan in the depths of samadhi. What's that doing? So just, uh, just to point out, underscore the idea that, that, that the goal and the way are one. Right? It's not like that for yoga or bhakti or, or gyan. You leave the path to attain the goal. Okay. So, some thoughts on that. Anything else? Yes, Gayatri. In the uh, Yogi Rasa dance, when Krishna expands himself to dance with all the gopis, 
is it like during the picnic lunch that all the gopas things that Krishna is with them exclusively, like the gopas things that he's with them exclusively, or are they aware that he's dancing with everyone? And if they do think it's exclusive, why are the mandirs not concerned about the union between God and Krishna? Why are they not concerned? Yeah, why? I mean, if they're dancing with Krishna themselves, why are they not thinking that Radharani is not dancing? If the Manjaris are dancing with Krishna. Are they not dancing? That's your question. Yeah. Well, the answer to your question, which seems to be twofold, is that uh, yes, each gopi, of course, Krishna, the gopis come, they meet Krishna, and the rasa dance demands, commences after the pranaya gita, right? After they answer his his suggestions that they shouldn't be there, from the point of view of dharma, and they turn it all around on him, you know, and and uh, make a case for their it's appropriate for them to be there and so forth. And so the rasa dance uh, commences, right? And, and each gopi thinks that Krishna is standing next to her. Now he's dancing with me. Hmm? Obviously, if they knew that they were dancing with each one at the same time, this would bring the Aishvarya to the, to the, into, the, into, the into the picture. So Sukadev is seeing this in his heart and he's telling us that this is what's happening. But they don't see like that. Each one thinks that Krishna is only with, only with, only with me. This is how important. And each minute seems like, you know, the whole duration. But the whole duration seems like just a minute. <laughs> just a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing. With regard to Manjaris, they're not going to be dancing with Krishna. Mm -hmm. There are there are two basic uh, types of Madhuri Rasa. And that is uh, uh, Rupa Goswami explains in his chapter um, about Sadhana Bhakti. No. Uh, yeah. In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu about um, Raghunuga Bhakti. There, in their divisions of Sambandhanuga, which means the relationship with the, as a servant, as a friend, or as a parent. And then there's Kamanuga, which is relationship with Krishna romantically. There's two types of that Kamanuga, he says. One is the type um, that, uh, to use a simple term, we call Kantabhav, and the other type is called Sakibhav. So Kantabhav means the, these, these gopis, they have a direct romantic relationship with Krishna. Hmm? Like Radha or Chandravala, your cousin, hmm? and others, and so many. They have a direct romantic relationship with Krishna. So to one extent, or another, they're they're a little bit tend to be competitors with Rod. Let's say, um, whereas the 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 other type, Sakibhav, this is a you know you use simple terms to describe. Um, Sakibhav is a type of Madhurya Rasa, where one identifies oneself as the friend, the Saki, of the devotee, the gopi, in Kantabhav. 
the friend and seeks to assist that friend in her efforts to have romantic relationship with Krishna. Sometimes some there are different types of those sakis. Sometimes some of them, their own saki, who's in Kantabab, may say, you, you should go with Krishna. And they go. But then the manjaris are a type of saki who are characterized by 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 their um, karma, their, if you will, uh, uh, romantic desire is subjugated by their service and friendship to their sake. It's so strong, it's so committed hmm, that they reject overtures from Krishna who teases them or tests them. Hmm. This is the characterizes the manjari. But that is that there's there's a so in their bhava you can say they don't like Krishna as much. They like Radha more than Krishna. Hmm. But of course the math underlying it is is that that if you want to please Krishna, well no one can please Krishna more than Radha. So let me please 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 Radha. And Krishna will be most pleased with me, and that's true. So they're actually trying to please Krishna. Right? Um, no one can have the fullest romantic, the, the same measure of romantic um, reciprocation with Krishna uh, can have more than Radha. So if by identifying oneself as a, a handmaiden of Radha, then uh, if the more you identify as such, the more you're, you're going to have access to her experience, which is going to be you know, shared with you just by the very nature of your being identified with her. You're going to be aware of it, experience it, so forth. So, so the Mandaris, they, they're, they're, they're there to assist. Does that help? Got to answer both your questions, right? Yeah, and of these two types of Kantabhav, Two types of of, of, of kama rupa bhakti or kama nirupa, the kantabhav and the sakibhav, um, rupa Basam or jiva Basam, says the the the, 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 the sakibhav is is preferable. Mm-hmm. So this is a main line of our sampradaya mm-hmm. with regard to uh, madhurya rasa. Mm-hmm. There are technical names for these two terms, but kantabhav and sakibhav is a simple way of describing it. Yes. Kind of a follow-up. Um, I'm wondering, is there anything analogous, say, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, as far as the, the Mandaris kind of identify with Radha's love to the devotees who are following Gora? Does anything happen to them in a similar manner? And we find that the uh, Rupa Goswami, who is Rupa Manjari, appears as a Brahmin boy in Gorlila and Dasya Bhakti. Hmm? Dasya Bhakti, to war, to reverse it around, results in uh, Braj Bhakti, let's say. Hmm? 
Gopibhav there, for example. So all of the devotees in Gorlila, they have Dasya Bhakti for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Now there are some exceptions of sorts, like like Sachi obviously has Vatsalya Bhava for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, but this is like Ramchandra in Ayodhya. He has romantic relationship, if you will, with Sita. He has his brothers who are his friends, Lakshman and so forth. But whoever enters there follows Hanuman and Zadasya. We see in Ayodhya, this is peculiar. Here is Bhagwan Narayan in a form in which he has parents. He has brothers. That's not there in Vaikuntha. So from the Gaudi perspective, Ayodhya is like just a little, a little above Vaikuntha. And it speaks to us of the fact that there's a possibility of having those kind of relationships with Bhagwan beyond Dasya, although only Dasya is available here. So when I look at it like this, Ayodhya is pointing to to Goloka, where all those possibilities exist for whoever goes there. To have Krishna as a friend, to have Bhagwan as a as a lover, to have Bhagwan as a as a child and so forth. Right? Um, so similarly, there are going to be some figures, let's say Sachi is a good example. Even she, though, at times we see some dasa for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in her. All the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Pandit serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a das. Still, sometimes their sometimes their bhava in Braj was to come out a little bit. But our entrance point there is in Dasya Bhakti. We don't find, for example, there are some sects that that look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, Vishnu Priya is, um, is consort, and uh, we are not going to worship Krishna and Radha, but Gore and Vishnu Priya, and we're going to become Manjaris of Vishnu Priya and so forth. This is an idea. There's there, there are sects that practice like this. There, but these are theological perspectives that are not uh, found in our scriptural canon. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I found a book once that talked about Manjari's for Sita in uh, in Ayodhya. They obviously got it from Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Kind of add, thought it was a cool thing. And, well, Ram's got it too. You know, we've got it over here too, something like that. So, so um, the the the, the, the uh, situation is, is different. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, "Tasted Manjari Bhav in, in Puri, I believe, when he chased after the sand dune, and then he found himself in samadhi, in 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 being asked by the." by the, the gopis to bring flowers and so forth. Uh, sometimes it's thought, oh, he's, he's taking an assistant role here and he tasted Manjari Bhav. But that's not what he's pursuing directly, but he tasted it nonetheless. But that's not what you're asking about. Just a, it comes up in the context of 
discussing the, the question that you, you asked. Does that help? It does, but I think what I was trying to ask and didn't okay. do very well at was maybe like when Mandari's help Radha and Krishna get together, right. certain signs come on Radha and then they also come on Mandari's. And I'm just so Gora, he experiences Radha Bhav. What about the devotees around him who are trying to assist him in that? Do they also? taste some sort of radha bar? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, that's the whole idea, right? But that's being that's being experienced internally by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That means he's experiencing Krishna Lila. So through service and Gaur Lila, which is ecstatic in and of itself, you're going to experience Krishna Lila as well. Follow? What else? What's, what's the time now? 745. 740? 745. Okay. Yes. Nice to see you. And good husband. So about um you know the generosity of the holy name. Mm -hmm. But what about um you know, like the ten offenses, and not to think that was so bad, but um, isn't that a big consideration? How chanting inattentively or the other offenses, how that can really hamper our receiving that mercy of the holy name? Well, as I said, uh, the holy name is not going to run away from material desires, but if you if you offend the name, well, he's going to back off. Mm -hmm. So that's a different thing. There may be uh, sins of the flesh or there may be sins of the soul. So sins of the flesh means, you know, our material attachments to the Hari Nam is not concerned about that. It's coming to us regardless of that and, and as a solution of that problem. But if in the context of providing a solution and we taking up the solution then offend the name, well, then the name may step back, at least for some time, right? Uh, if you offend the Vaishnava, the name may step back. So yeah, we should be aware of the offenses. And those are those offenses, the results of those offenses can carry all the way into Bhava Bhakti. Mm -hmm. Material desires in an artist can't of that of other types cannot carry all the way into Bhava Bhakti. But it's possible that by offense the reaction will persist even in the Bhava Bhakti and slow us down from proceeding from Bhava Bhakti to Prem Bhakti until the, 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 the reaction of the offense has played, played itself out, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, we, 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 should, we should know what the 10 offenses are. You learn that the first day, you know, you get initiated, usually the lecture as well, and there are 10 offenses, and they give those, and so forth, that's important. Um, but, um, they're, they're not that hard to avoid. Hmm? I mean, you know, uh, it's, 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 uh, I mean, to offend a Vaishnava, and why would you do that? So, because they offended you. <laughs> well, you're a Vaishnavi, so. <laughs> I mean, 
what constitutes Vaishnava Bharat. I mean, this is all, uh, you have to look at it in terms of intention. So we see examples in the scripture of malicious uh, persons like uh, that uh, Gopal Chapal, I think his name was, and he tried to defame Shiva Stakur by uh, defiling his, his uh, house and, 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 and leading people thereby to believe that he was a worshiper. He sacrificed goats or something in his house. So he was malicious was in, 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 and he had malicious intent. So this Vaishnava Parad, he, he came down with leprosy. Mahaprabhu would not cure him until he was resolved his offense to Shivas. Uh, so there are other, other examples are there too. It said Ramchandrapuri offended uh, Puri, but I mean, Puri was feeling pangs of separation from from Krishna in the mood of Radha and, and Madhavendrapuri says, you shouldn't be lamenting like this. At the time of death, starts preaching to him, you know, like Mayabad philosophy. So that was not good. As a result of that, he, well, he got a samskar for it. And then he offended Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, criticizing him. Must be eating sweets because there's ants around there where he, he's staying, that kind of thing. Anyway, so these kind of examples are given. So I, I just cite them so that we don't have this like neurosis, like, oh, I offended that devotee, you know. Um, and of course, if you make an offense with your mind, you can resolve it with your mind. If you make an offense with your words, you can resolve it with your words. If you make an offense with your body and try to, you know, beat up a, a sadhu or something, well, you know, then you can resolve that with your body by giving your body in service to the, to the sadhu. So, I think that these things are, this type of offense, depending on Vaishnava, is, is misunderstood and uh, uh, sometimes by devotees and also by those who think that they're offended or, or put themselves in a position whereby persons think that that's when I don't want to offend over there because he's sitting up there. And uh, that'll be a big problem for me. So then that becomes a way of manipulating people and, and intimidating them. I mean, it's, these things are all subject to abuse uh, and so forth. And then, and then and then, you create a whole, you know, fear and uh, get, make, make the audience uh, neurotic and so forth. So it's hard to commit Vaishnava Parada. Now, some Vaishnavas are not such that you can take advantage of their association. So then you have to keep a distance from them. We're supposed to respect all the Vaishnavas. That means you have to keep enough distance from them to respect them. So sometimes it'll have to be like all the way across the planet, you know. <laughs> Anybody who he's chanting over there, okay. I respect him for that, but I don't have to have him in my face and have to deal with him because it's, a, it's counterproductive because of the way he or she conducts himself. So. You have to be wise and you know create enough distance that you can respect everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're too close to somebody who is not conducting themselves in such a way as, as to as to um, help you, then, then step aside. Um, so then you know offending the guru, disobeying the guru. You know, that, that's that's not so. Um, 
hard to do. Like some of my disciples may say, I say, you know, uh, I'd like you to go and do this, you know. And they say, uh, well, um, you know, okay, but if you send me there, uh, you know, I'll fall asleep on the road because I was up all night doing this for you, you know. So I say, oh, thank, okay, well, I'll get somebody else to do it then, you know. You know, instead of Guru Dave told me to go, okay, I was up all night, you know, for the festival preparing things. Now he told me to drive from Odari to San Francisco at 6 a.m. Hope I don't fall. I won't fall asleep because it's your day's order, you know. And I haven't slept all night. I don't know how far I go and I get in a crash. And, and they say, What the hell did you do that for? You know, I mean, why don't you just tell me, you know, have somebody else go? So, um, this kind of dealing, you know, is, 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 is the lack of this is the lack of just being grounded in our, in our human common sense in the context of practicing bhakti. And everything gets out of, out of proportion. And so it's weird. <laughs> not integrated and organic and, and you know ingested it and, and so on so that's important anyway so then what else are you going to do think the demigods are more important than krishna well that's, you know, you're not going to do that right so you go through the list and uh, you don't think that a horse sacrifice is equal to sankirtan <laughs> right so uh, yeah uh, but um, but yeah, we have to have a healthy caution for the, the offenses. We don't want to offend Bhakti, Harinam, Vaishnavas. What else? Yes. Maharaj, could you uh, say something about, uh, we, we spoke about Lord Chaitanya for the last several days. Um, and to me, it's very interesting that, that when Lord Chaitanya accepts sannyas, accepted from Mayavada, not from, and I'm like uh, struggling a little bit to understand why. I mean, uh, doesn't matter from who you accept initiation. Yeah. You know, like if I look in our society, we practice Vaishnava tradition and suddenly we decide to accept sannyas from, uh, from Mayavadi sannyasi, it would be quite a, Steer, mm -hmm. but um, we don't hear anything in, in past times of Lord Chaitanya, and, and so just trying to understand. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of points um, worth uh, discussing in that regard. One is that um, during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there was no Gaudiya Vaishnavism that had been formed. The architects of that Sampradaya were the Goswamis, as they were commissioned to write about and uh, establish standards of behavior, conduct, and so on and so forth. What is initiation? Uh, and so, so on. They did all that. That was a, you know, a later uh, development. The Sampradaya, the church, formed afterwards. You know, like the Catholic Church formed after after Christ came and went. So, um, and at the time, the, the Shankar Sampradaya was was quite uh, quite prominent, and um, there's a strong emphasis on the renounced order there, um, and. Excuse me, we find that all of the principal 
sannyasi elderly associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there were nine of them. They're compared to the uh, roots of the metaphorical uh, tree of bhakti, the fruits of which are preem, the branches of which are the devotees, and, right? The trunk of which is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, divides into two other trunks, Nityananda and Dvaita, or the roots were these sannyasis, Keshva Bharati, Brahmananda uh, Bharati, um, and so Brahmananda Puri, and so on and so forth. Uh, they were all elderly gentlemen, renunciates, and they were all um, from the Shankar Sampradaya. And so in those days, such things, uh, someone could could take sannyas from the Shankar Sampradaya, receive the mantra, tattvamasi, that they would give. Uh, and um, and uh, then might come, come to be associated with some bhaktas and, and change course. And, um, um, and I, I don't think it would happen in reverse very often, but, but and another example of what I'm talking about is, is that there are four basic moths or monasteries of Shankar that established one of them is in Jagannath Puri, it's called the Golden Moth. And that moth has an emphasis on bhakti. All of the religious Brahmins affiliated with that moth, the Advaita Sampradaya, are in charge of Jagannath's puja in the temple. They're all the Advaitans, Jagannath's accepting their service. From that school, at one time, it's written in their books, the head of that moth was Sridhar Swami, the famous commentator on the Bhagavatam, the Mahaprabhu appreciated. So the implication is that he was in the head of the Govardhan Moth, he was a Shankar Sampradaya, in the Shankar Sampradaya, accepted sannyas there. And they have emphasis on bhakti as a means, not as we think of it. But he became converted. He changed his course and wrote his commentary in the Bhagavatam, which he'd wait and said, what kind of Bhagavatam, what kind of commentary is this? Their God's form is eternal, their Surup Shakti, these kind of things. So Mahaprabhu liked that. Um, so and in, 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 in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, which is a Vaishnava Sampradaya, the Madhva Sampradaya, they were way down in the south. And not as you know prominent up in Bengal Puri and so forth. I think that the uh, interaction between sects was a little more fluent mm -hmm. and discussing of concepts and ideas on the one hand. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, of course, Keshavabharati, as described by Murari Gupta in his biography of Mahaprabhu, which was written during the lifetime of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the earliest one, he says that Keshav Bharti came to Navadweep. He had the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then, then Mahaprabhu determined to take sannyas from him in Katwa. He was from the Shankar Sampradaya, but he had already been influenced by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to some extent by having his darshan. And then when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to get the mantra from him, he had doubts about the, the way in which the mantra is understood. Tatvamasi, you are that. He didn't take it like that. He asked Murari Gupta about it. 
told him that he had had a dream and he dreamed that he got this mantra and he lost his love. But there's no love in that understanding of the mantra. And so Murari Gupta said, no, you should think of it like you are his. So Mahaprabhu liked that. And then when he went to see Keshavardi, he asked Keshavardi, is this the mantra that you're going to give me? And he whispered it in his ear. At that time, Keshavardi got initiated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with the Vaishnava conception. And he realized, I'm Sandipani Muni from Krishna Leela. Here I am, again initiating Krishna in the form of Laura Krishna. Hmm? So, we and we see, now you may think, well, Brian, people probably made that up. No, this is a testimony of Mari Gupta. And we see that Kesha Bharti became a great Vaishnava. Hmm? He followed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Like Brahmananda Bari, Brahmananda Puri, Brahmananda Puri, Keshapuri, and so forth. They all became great followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They all converted. And so the Sampradaya was being formed. Hmm? Um, Mahaprabhu said to Ramananda Roy, who praised him, said, Oh, no, don't praise me. I'm just a Mayabadi sannyasi, according to the Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Put it like that. Hmm? I heard one, uh, one of the Shankars, or four Shankars presiding over the four moths said, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself said he's a Mayabadi sannyasi. So I just wish I had been there because I would have said, Oh, so where did you get that? It's right in the book, in your book, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So you accept the book as authoritative. <laughs> Let's look what else it says. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we put this in perspective. Right? So, uh, why did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu take initiation from Keshav Bharat? Because he's Sandipani Muni. <laughs> this is Guru. <laughs> But, it, but it's true that the, 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 the association was much more, it's not like, oh, he's a Mayavadi, you know, don't let him in here. You know, there were, there were, it was this, this very strident kind of sectarian uh, perspectives um, weren't as, weren't as uh, much in place. Now, when Krishna, when Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is writing Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's a little bit more sectarian because he's, he's trying to, establish what among the ideas about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are acceptable theologically and which ones are not. And of course, you know, yeah, I mean, in the Sandarbas, you, you, you find Jeeva Goswami's arguing against uh, Advaita, be it Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana's arguing against Advaita, theologically, philosophically. It is a no, it's a strong point, but Prabhupada told me when he gave me sannyasa, even if you see a Mayavadi sannyasa, you should pay respect to them. Mm -hmm. We were walking in the morning and somebody said, and Triparari said, that is Triparari Maharaj, Prabhupada said, you should always show And then he said, and you? And, you? and he said to me at that time, and even if you see a Mayavadi sannyasa. So, something to think about. The hell? Mm -hmm. That was like, um, because there is also a story about Shamananda Pandit, who got uh, like a special tilak from uh, Lalita Devi, mm -hmm. and his guru walked from Bengal to, you know, to chastise him. 
you know, was like a big steer at the time in the in the Vaishnava society, mm-hmm. why he accepts. So to me, it was just like a little bit confusing that on one hand, you know, nobody makes any issue or mention, at least we, we don't hear about it. But on the other hand, someone pays such a very strict, right. you know, attention to, to this. Kind but of those stuff. are quite different times also. Yeah. Shamananda is, is, is a... a generation or half a generation after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, after the Sampradaya has been established and so forth. And what are the standards? What are the tilak you wear if you're initiated in this paribar or that paribar? All that was in place. And so it seemed a little out of place that suddenly his disciple was wearing a different tilak. Hmm? Right? Then the story had to be explained. Of course, it's a very esoteric story that... Uh, is um, constructive and so forth. Well, very different uh, circumstances from that of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, you know, I mean, you, but you do see that, you know, these days you see like you know, very sectarian, you know, considerations. You're initiated in ISKCON, or they do it in other moths too. You know. um, <clears throat> They say, well, if you're going to have Siksha, you have to get the permission of your Diksha Guru. Um, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't ask for any permission to hear from Ramananda Roy. He didn't say, wait, I better go back and ask Ishwar Puri if I can associate with you. If it feels good, do it. <laughs> That's our teaching. So, I mean, the, the idea there is, of course, if we want to take Siksha, we, we, they say the Siksha should follow the, the line of the Diksha. So it means if, you want to, if you're initiated in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, then you should take Siksha from the Gaudiya Sampradaya rather than some other Sampradaya. Hmm. Makes sense. Because that will foster the Diksha that you have, help it to grow. So... All right, I think we'll, we'll stop there. We'll get together again tomorrow night. We'll have some more questions, I think, tomorrow night. And then Friday, we have more, and Saturday, we'll have more formal talks of sorts. I think Friday night is the appearance of Shiva Stakusu. We're going to have to talk mm-hmm. about him. And Saturday, we'll conclude the Gaur Lila section. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu going to Jagannath Puri. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Hey. 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 Hey.